We're going to be in uh, Psalms chapter 1 tonight, if you have your Bible. It is a privilege to be here uh, with you. We have traveled a long way to be here. Um, We're so thankful that the Lord allows us the opportunities to come and see that the body of Christ is not just something that's local, but it's a worldwide thing. You know, we can come here, we can worship with you from, for us, thousands of miles, for you, kilometers, and to know that we're worshiping the same Jesus, that we are serving the same God, that he's just as real in Africa as he is in the United States of America, as he is in Asia, South America. And for me and for our team, it's just a blessing to come see in different cultures, in different ways, the Lord is alive and he's moving and he's powerful and he hasn't stopped. He hasn't given up. He, there's lots of things in the world that are going on, but he's still sovereign. And it's such a blessing to come and experience your culture and your love for the Lord and to really be touched and impacted by that. I think we do short-term missions trips. We come on trips like this thinking we're going to bless you guys and we go home more blessed than you are here. So before we open God's word, let's, let's pray and ask for his Holy Spirit to direct our night. Father, without you, without your Holy Spirit, there would be no purpose of this building. There would be no reason for us to gather. But you, through your Holy Spirit, wrote this book we call the Bible. And your Holy Spirit has taken it and sown it into our lives and has given us new life. We were once far from you and now we're near to you. And we love you and we search your word because we want to know you better. We want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of who you are. But we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to fill us afresh, to direct our thoughts and our minds to your word, to what you want to speak to us tonight, Lord. So help us to have hearts that are open and ready to receive and plant your word in fertile soil tonight and let it bear fruit. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So a little background on Psalm chapter 1. It's one of the Psalms that we don't know who the author is. A lot of Psalms are written by David or Solomon or Asaph, but there's no author given for Psalm 1 or Psalm 2 for that matter. But they start the book in a very interesting way as the inspired word of God. There's no human author, but we know it's God's word. And it's an introduction almost to this entire book we call the book of Psalms. And it, it, it gives us the blessings that God has for his people. He's going to compare and contrast the blessed man, the righteous man, and the wicked man or the ungodly man. And he's going to go through and he's going to tell us some things that a blessed man or a godly man will do and some things they will not do. A blessed man, it has the idea of, oh, how happy, that word blessed. And it's really not just the happiness that is changed by circumstances, but it's the happiness that comes from a joy rooted in God, rooted in Him, knowing that whether I, I wake up and have a bad day, whether times are difficult, or times are good, my joy is found in the fact that I have a God who loves me and that's where my hope is and that's where I'm built. 
So he goes here and he says in verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So what the author of this psalm, what the Holy Spirit starts off here is he says, the blessed man, blessed is the man, and he gives a few things here that a blessed man, a godly man or woman does not do. He starts off and he says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The world, the people who are unsaved, they want to tell you a lot of stuff and they want you to follow their ideas and their thoughts and and the things that they think are worthwhile. I don't know about here, but where we come from in the United States, right now there's a big push and a big move towards homosexuality and transgenderism to where they're even doing that with children, encouraging children to switch genders. And they're doing horrible things. And they would say that we who say God's word is the final authority on on these things, that God made a man and a woman and that's it, there's two genders, they would say that that's hate speech. And they would want to condemn us and, and treat us wrong. Their instruction, their counsel would be just love people, just let them be whatever they want. But we know that love is not just allowing people to continue in sin. We know that love is something different. The counsel of the ungodly always wants to take you farther from who God is, from the word of God. And this author here says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That can be in a lot of different ways. We have lots of different things we like to do. And the world wants to shape us and mold it into their image. But we, as believers, need to be shaped and molded by God's word, not by the ungodly. He says, not in the counsel of the ungodly. The second thing he says is, nor stands in the path of sinners. That has the idea of being with the sinner, being in the sin with them, right? You start by receiving their counsel, following their ways. Next, you begin to identify with them. You're in the path towards sin. You're in the path with them. You're you're hanging on the way into wickedness. You're comfortable there. You begin to identify with the things that they identify with. You're accepting their lifestyles, their attitudes, and their habits as your own. And he's, he's beginning to show you kind of a progression. If you start with the counsel of the ungodly, you're going to find yourself in the path of the ungodly. You're going to find yourself in the way with the ungodly. 
And he says that a blessed man is someone who avoids that, who's not there in the path, in the way of sinners. And then the final thing here, he says, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. After you have taken their counsel and you have accepted their lifestyle and found yourself in the path with them, next you find yourself comfortable, sitting in the seat of the scornful, mocking, maybe even mocking God's word, mocking the Christians, mocking the believers. There's a, a progression here, and it starts with the counsel of the ungodly. And he says, that's not where we want to be. We don't want to be someone who would be mocking. The mockers are almost like the missionaries of wickedness. They're the ones who want to stand there and, and take the, the message of the world, the, the message of that ungodly counsel and, and push it on everyone else. So the author here says, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand, don't be in the way of the path of the sinners and don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Right? God's not afraid to say, hey, there, to follow me, there's things you should not do. Sometimes we want to talk about, and it's true, we're not saved because we do things. We're not saved because we're good enough. We know that we're only saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because he took our sins and gave us his righteousness. But that doesn't mean as, as believers we don't recognize there's things we need to do and things we need to not do. In any relationship you would have, there's things you do and don't do. I have a wife. She's back at my home in Philadelphia right now. But for the sake of my relationship with my wife, there's things I don't do. I don't have a relationship with any other woman, right? That would be detrimental to my relationship with my wife. I know there's things she does not like. I don't do those things to make my wife upset because I want our relationship to be strong and healthy. The same is true in friendship. If you want to be close with a friend, you do the things together that you both enjoy. A relationship with God is the same. He says, you want to, you want to be a blessed man. You want to be a blessed woman. You want to be someone who's near to me. Here's the things that are not like me. These are the things I can't enter into with you. Avoid them. And then what he does in verse 2 is he tells you, here's some things you can do to be close to me. He says, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Here's a contrast. You don't do those old things and you do these things. You find the delight in God's word. The counsel that a godly man gets doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from the ungodly. The counsel that a blessed man, a godly man, a godly woman receives is from God's word. You have an issue in your life. You have a struggle. You have something difficult. Seek counsel from God's word. Seek counsel from those who know God's word, who will instruct you in God's word, right? 
if we only listen to what the world has to say, we're going to find ourselves on that wrong path, heading far from God. He says, our delight is in the law of the Lord. We should find joy there. We should find happiness in God's word. There's a delight there. The companion of a a blessed, godly man is not the sinner's. It's with the man whose life has been transformed by the word of God. The word of God is alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. He says the, the ungodly or the, the, the blessed man does not sit in the seat of the scornful. He doesn't find his pastime in mocking and joking. He finds it in God's word. The joys that he finds are in encouraging one another, in talking about God's word, not in mocking and tearing down, but in God's word. What he says here is we should meditate on it day and night. What he means is we should be thinking about God's word each night, each day, all day long, right? We think on God's word. When you're at work, when you're at home, when you're doing whatever it is that you normally do. God's word should be the thing that's constantly on your mind. He says day and night. He wants you all day, all night to be thinking about processing God's word. But as we think about this, if you're like me, I read through this and I think there's times in my life where unfortunately I do walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Unfortunately, there are times where I do get caught in places where I know I shouldn't be, right? I'm not hanging out in in horrible places, but I find myself following poor instruction and getting angry or or being a a poor husband. And I recognize, wait a second, I, I sometimes I fail at this. I don't find joy the way that I should. So what does that mean? Does that mean I'm not a blessed man? No, what it means is I need Jesus in my life. As I meditate on these things, I recognize that I'm flawed, that I'm broken, that I need his grace to help me. It doesn't lower the standard. It doesn't, I don't say, oh, because I'm not perfect, I'm not going to try. It doesn't take away the standard. But what it should do is we recognize there are times where I fall short. The culture seems to be louder because I've stopped thinking on God's word or I've stopped meditating on God's word. What we need to recognize is those are the times we need to draw closest to the Lord. Those are the times we need to run to him, to find our safety in him, to rest in him. We constantly need to go back to him. We need his strength. The standard isn't ever lowered. It's always there. But what we need to attain that standard is the strength that only comes from God's Holy Spirit, that comes from him. The reason the blessed man 
or the righteous man avoids sin is the same reason that he finds his joy and his delight in the word of God because of that relationship. Right? I avoid things because I know it would be detrimental or harmful to my marriage. I also know there's things that I do to strengthen my marriage. There's things that I do to encourage that and to make it stronger. If you want to grow, if you want to continue to know who the Lord is and continue to mature as a believer, you need God's word in your life, which is what we're doing now. Attending a midweek Bible study to hear God's word, attending services on Sunday, thinking about memorizing, constantly thinking about God's word. Those are the things that are going to grow us and mature us. There's no shortcuts in our growth as a believer, right? Just like a small child doesn't quickly grow into an adult man or an adult woman. It takes time. It takes years to grow as a man or a woman of God, to be a blessed man or woman of God, you fill your life with God's word. When you have a chance to receive God's word into your life, you take that and you think on it. You leave a study. You leave a time of talking about God's word and you think through it. You spend the night and the day thinking about what God had to say to you. And you let that be your joy. You find your purpose and your meaning in that. And then he gives us a little picture here. He says in verse 3, this blessed man, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. We all know what a tree is like. Back where we live in, in the United States, we have four seasons. We have winter, spring, summer, and autumn. Those are our four seasons. You here have, from what I understand, the wet season and the dry season. In a dry season, if a a plant, a tree, is not somewhere where it can get watered, it could die. What the writer here says is, A man who finds his delight in God's word, a man who finds his joy and who meditates on and thinks on God's word, he's like a tree that's planted right by a river. Even when a a drought may come and it hasn't rained and, and things around are dying because its roots go deep and they're down there by that riverbed. There's going to be constant life. There's going to be constant nourishment for that tree. For a believer, that means your nourishment, your roots need to be in God's word. That's where we get our strength. But he says a couple interesting things about this. He says it's a tree that's planted. It hasn't grown accidentally. It hasn't just grown from a fallen seed No, it's been specifically planted next to the water. Not only that, it brings forth fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. 
This tree that he's saying the, the godly man or woman is like, he says it's drought-proof. A drought can't make it wither because it's got the nourishment that it's needed. It's always got a life source. It says it's going to be fruitful. There's going to be fruit coming from it. The life of a believer who's constantly in God's word who's constantly thinking on God's word, is going to have the nourishment that it needs for the seasons of of dryness. Because sometimes in our walk with the Lord, there are those seasons that are difficult, the seasons that are, are hard, seasons of drought. But what he says is you'll be fruitful. In those seasons when it's difficult, you'll have the nourishment you need from God's word. And they will bear fruit in its season. Now, where I come from, the trees in the fall or autumn, the leaves begin to change into beautiful colors, red, orange, all kinds of beautiful colors, and then they all fall off. In the winter, it's just a bare tree with no leaves. It's cold, we get snow. But then in the spring, it's these little buds that start to grow and and green life begins to blossom again. And then through the summer, fruit begins to grow. There's a season where fruits grow. I'm sure it's similar in some ways here. There's certain seasons for certain fruits. What he says is the person who's filling their life, feeding off of God's word, is going to be fruitful at the right time. There may be the times of drought. There may be the times of difficulty. But at the right time, God's going to take that diligence all of that word that you've sown into your heart and hidden away and thought on and meditated on. And he's going to use it to produce something good. I don't get to say what that is, but the Holy Spirit does. He says, if you are a person who hides God's word in your heart, who fills your life with God's word, you're the kind of person who will be useful for the kingdom of heaven. You'll be fruitful To me, that's exciting. It makes the times that are difficult worthwhile to know, Lord, you have a purpose here. And when the time is right, you're going to use this to bring forth something that gives you glory, gives you honor. Verse 4, he says, the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Verse 5, therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So he's making this contrast now. The blessed person, the righteous person, the godly person, certain things he does, certain things he doesn't do. But now we're we're actually looking at the ungodly, the unbeliever. And he says the believer is like that tree, strong, healthy, all that it needs. But the ungodly... They're not that way. They're they're not strong. They're not healthy. In fact, they're like chaff. It's the worthless part on on a, a wheat or a barley grain. It's the part that you throw away. You don't want to use. In the the book of Judges, if you remember Gideon, he is separating the grain and the chaff there. 
and they beat it, and they throw it up in the air, and the wind comes, and it blows away the chaff because it's light and airy. The seeds come out. The valuable part is gone, and the wind can blow that away, and all of the goods part falls to the ground. What he says here is just like that. The ungodly get blown away. The godly man, the blessed man, the man who hides God's word is a tree planted. The wind can blow, the storms can come, but it's strong, it's healthy, it stands there. The chaff, when the wind blows, it just blows it away and it's gone. It's empty, barren, useless. It's almost the opposite of everything he said about the tree. And then he says, therefore, because of that, because it's empty and useless and can so easily be blown away, the ungodly will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. One day, we're going to stand in judgment, each one of us. We're going to stand before the Lord and we're going to give an account. For the the godly, the, the saved believer, we stand before Jesus to receive our rewards, for the ungodly, they, they stand before the great white throne to be judged and to be separated and to be thrown away. And here he says, the ungodly, they have no standing. They can't stand before the judgment of God. Thankfully, you and I, we don't have to stand there. We have that mediator, the book of Hebrews tells us, Jesus Christ. He's paid for our sins. We don't have to try and in our own strength say that we're worth saving. We don't have to try and figure out a way to be good enough for God to save us. We stand on the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the ungodly, they have no foundation. They have no standing. They can't stand in the day of judgment. And they don't stand in the congregation of the righteous when we're all gathered together, when we're there with the Lord, the sinners won't be there. And some of you might think, well, I'm a sinner, that means I won't be there. No, that's, that's the exciting part. We are righteous because of the work of Jesus Christ. We now have his righteousness. The ungodly don't have that. We stand there washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. We have that firm foundation that they don't have. And he wraps up there in verse 6 and he says, The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The Lord knows our ways. Right? I think there's more to it than just he knows your way home tonight. It has to do with the, the things that make you who you are, your character. Right? Moses prayed in the Old Testament, Lord, show me your ways. Show me who you are. Show me what you're like. The encouragement here is the Lord knows you. He knows who you are. He knows your likes, your dislikes. He knows your struggles and your successes. He knows the things you're proud of and the things that you're not proud of. He knows who you are. And it has the idea of intimacy, of a relationship. He knows you and he loves you and he cares for you. Sometimes we think that if we are too open, people would know who we were and maybe they wouldn't like us as much. 
God knows every detail of our lives and he still loves us. He still cares for us. He says, but the way of the ungodly, they're going to perish. We get to spend eternity with the Lord. The ungodly do not. We get to be with him. The one who knows everything about us and loved us enough to die for us. That's who we get to be with. Unfortunately, everyone we we know, we love, everyone who does not know the Lord, they're going to perish. The blessed man, the righteous man, the godly man is a man who fills his life with God's word, builds his life on the foundation of the truth of the word of God. The ungodly person follows the desires of their own heart, whatever they think is best. They don't build their life on God's word. For you, for I, believers, followers of Jesus Christ, God's word needs to be the most important thing in our lives. It needs to be what helps us make each decision, what motivates us, what drives us. God's word, God's character, who he is. And he says, we will be blessed. We will prosper. That doesn't mean that we're going to have the nicest clothes, the nicest car, all the money in the world. But what it means is God will be with you in your way. God will be there with you in your struggles. He'll be there with you in your successes. He'll be there. You'll be able to find joy and peace and contentment in him. Not in yourself, not in who you are, but in who he is. So for us, the application, we should be concerned about the people around us who don't know the Lord because their chaff that would be blown away, their end result is they'll perish. But also for ourselves, think on God's word. Think on the things that he says. Think about who he is. Let that be running through your mind all day, all night. Think about him, think about his word. Different places in his word he would say, set your mind on things above. Colossians chapter 3, not on things of the earth. Romans 12 says that your mind should be transformed by God's word. For you and I, God's word is life. God's word is what we hold to, what we cling to. I know that you have Josh teaching God's word every week, and we're blessed. We are blessed because we have the word of God fed to us every day. We have it fed to us each week. We can come and hear, we can listen, we can think on it, and God's faithful to bless us and to prosper us in those things. So hold fast to God's word. Don't follow the instruction, the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the path of the sinners and sit in the seat of the scornful. But be like that tree planted by the rivers of water. Let's pray and then Josh will give us the rest of the the night. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that we can trust in you that it's not our own understanding, our own ways, but it's your word. 
And Lord, we want to be the men and the women who are planted by rivers of living water. So let your word come alive to us each day. We want to be rooted and grounded in truth. Thank you for this opportunity to be with my brothers, my sisters. Thank you for this time to look at your word together. We pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen.